Welcome to the Mindful Moments for Families and Schools podcast. This is Kelly Winkler, your host. If you are a parent or a teacher who would like to have a more peaceful, calm, and centered environment, then you are in the right place. In this podcast, we will learn to weave yoga and mindfulness into your daily routines to help both you and your children be able to regulate your emotions, feel connected, and be resilient. I'm excited to share these incredible tools with you, so let's get started. Welcome back to Mindful Moments for Families and Schools. This is Kelly. Today I have on Ali Skazinski. She is also known as Miss Behavior on Instagram, and she has an undergraduate degree from Illinois State University in special education and a master's degree from the University of Illinois in special education, which allowed her to gain credentials to become a multiple disabilities specialist. Ali is additionally trained in trauma-informed practices and is a trauma and crisis specialist through the American School Counselor Association. She is most passionate about serving children with emotional disabilities. They're often very misunderstood. Equitable behavior plans and effective classroom management became her passion projects. Additionally, she spent two years as a special education consultant for a local nonprofit supporting local and international special education programs and classrooms. She is currently a social emotional learning and behavior coach in a public school in Chicagoland. I'm so thrilled to have on Allie today because she has wonderful resources out there for both parents and teachers in the arena of social emotional learning. So let's dive in and hear what Allie has to say. Welcome, Allie. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being here. I'm really excited to chat with you because I love your space that you, your online space that you've created with your misbehavior Instagram uh, and your Teachers Pay Teachers resources. So I'm so excited to get into all of that. But I would first love for you to tell us about yourself and your journey as an educator and how you've found your way to the social emotional learning uh, position that you have and to creating this space online. Of course. So my name is Allie. I live in Chicago with my husband. We have a one-year-old daughter and a small zoo of animals, (laughs) big (laughs) animal people in our house. Um, About 10 years ago, I started teaching special education in Chicago, and I taught students primarily with intellectual disabilities and autism. And you know, teaching in Chicago was a beautiful thing. I loved it, but it was very difficult. And just the, the atmosphere in my school was really tough and I really needed to start prioritizing my own mental health. So I decided I was going to try looking for a new teaching position. And I found this position um, online and applied and, you know, was offered the job to be a teacher of students with emotional disabilities. So since the majority of my teaching was not in, in that world, but I was certified for it, I thought, you know what, I just need a switch. So I jumped in and that summer, as I was kind of gearing up to be doing something different, I started, I went to the internet and was like, someone's got to have a blog or, you know, resources or something that can help me prepare for this kind of change in, um, in my teaching. And I really found nothing and I was disappointed, but thought, well, I mean, I'm going in, you know, pretty cold to this, but maybe I can just sort of start sharing how it goes, my transition, you know, um, mm. teaching kids who have behavioral needs as their, as their primary, their primary disability. And I did, I started this Instagram account and then I started blogging and I started, um, sharing my resources mine and, I found such a joy in doing it. And um, through that is when I really started to understand the importance of social emotional learning and how it's a strategy for all kids, no matter you know who you are or where you come from. But for some of our students, and I'm speaking more specifically to the students that I was teaching at that time, 
um, they really needed that super explicit instruction. And I just really found a love of doing that. And now I am a social emotional learning coach at an elementary school and I'm helping teachers, um, all teachers sort of build their skill set so they can do that in the classroom for all students. So that has been, um, kind of a fun switch too. Um, I'm definitely with kids, but I'm also working a lot with adults. So that's been a fun change. I love it. And I love how, you know, isn't it so great when we find something that we need or we, we don't find something that we need um, and then we can create it, you know, right, and that's right. sort of where this podcast came out of because <laughs> I was looking for more as a, as a mom with, with kids who have uh, anxiety and as a uh, children's mindfulness and yoga teacher, I'm, I'm looking, I love podcasts and I'm looking mm-hmm. for more. I want to hear other people's stories and I want to hear other people's ideas. And I really wasn't finding a whole lot. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to create it myself. And that's, that, that's a beautiful thing. So yeah. I love that you, you decided to do that and you just decided to, you know what, jump in and, Give it a try. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. And I mean, the resources that you have built are just incredible. Like I said, I I love your page and I, I I love all of the things that, um, that you, you bring to light and, and you talk about, um, such important topics. So thank you for, for doing that. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. I mean, like I said, as a mom of kids who have, high emotional needs. I'm constantly advocating for them in, in their education. But as you said, I mean, it's really for all kids. It is. It is. It should just be the base. Misconception that um, only specific students would need that and, and all kids really benefit. And I wish someone taught me this kind of stuff when I was in school. Oh my goodness. I I say it all the time. Yeah, I know, I know. All the time. These are the life skills that, that, should be like first on the list to, to start teaching yes. children. I so, couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah. So as a, as a social emotional learning coach, what are, what would you say are some of the most common behavior issues that we're finding in the classroom these days? So, you know, something that I'm noticing more and more is that the needs that we see in the classroom, and this could be a student who's struggling with reading, a student who's struggling with math, a student who's struggling with transitions between subjects or classes. I feel like they all kind of stem from social emotional learning and can be helped in that way. Mm. Um, All kids are gonna learn different from each other. That's just the way that it is, right? There's not gonna be one student that is, you know, oh, this is the way that, you know, all kids should learn and, you know, let's all just kind of follow this child. That's really just not how it works. We know that all of our brains are totally different. And something that I think would be really helpful for us to focus on is those executive functioning skills and learning. Honestly, it's like the foundation of learning. So when we prioritize things like time management, impulse control, um, organization, that's a big one. Mm -hmm. It can really cut down on some of those behavioral concerns that we see or that teachers are like, I don't know what to do. You know, they're so unorganized or they can never find anything or, you know, they run out of time all the time. And it's like when we explicitly teach those skills, it can really help sort of eliminate some of those other ones that sort of pop up from those missing skills, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, I think a lot of times too, as teachers and parents, I think a lot of times we look at the external behaviors and we just want to like fix those behaviors quickly. But I think sometimes (laughs) we have to really dive deeper and figure out like, well, why are they, are, are they running out of time or why are they, you know, like what, what's underneath that um, rather than it just be like, they just, you know, they just don't finish on anything, you know? Right. Right. And it can be so frustrating, but it's like, we need to kind of peel back those layers, you know, and find, like you just said, like, what is the root here? You know, what's the function of why they're doing X, Y, and Z? Yeah. I think that's really the key. I mean, I know um, just recently uh, with my own 11 year old, um, he, he came to me and he said, you know, I really, 
can you read this problem out loud to me? Um, he had to do for, for an English homework assignment. And I said, sure. And so I read it out loud to him and, and then he answered the question and, and, and everything. And I said, why did you want me to read it out loud? He said, I don't know. I just, sometimes when I read myself, everything's like mixed up. I don't understand it as well. Now he's 11. He's already in fifth grade. He does have, have some anxiety that he's, he's diagnosed with, uh, um, generalized anxiety. Sure. And so, I'm always back and forth with his teachers because we're always saying like, well, is his anxiety about school coming because he has anxiety or is he, is it coming because he's struggling in some way and that's giving him anxiety. Right. And so, so this was like a new thing that a key that he found to himself, like, you know what, I, I learn better when I hear things out loud. Yes. And I just like rewarded him like and said like you know what? That is amazing that you just figured that out. And like yeah, I'm that self-awareness. Yeah. And so I started that conversation with his teachers and I think I I think we maybe just answered part of our question. Oh, I <laughs> and, love it. Yeah. yeah, you know. And so I think like we oh we have to remember to dive deeper. Um, and, and really look, look and see, like you said, peel back those layers. It's so important. So important. Yeah. And to teach our kids to do that too, you know, Mm -hmm. like as they get older, even, you know, for us as adults, I know sometimes, you know, I have some things that I'm doing and I'm like, you know what, why am I reacting that way right now? Like I have to like, really (laughs) like, take a minute and like, right, like this isn't a big deal. Why am I making right. it a big deal? Right. Yeah. What is it? Yeah, of course. It's a lifelong thing that we just have to be able to be self-aware, catch ourselves and say like, Oh, wow. I'm, you know, blowing this out of proportion. Like, why am I doing right. that? You know, how right. can I calm down right now? You know? <laughs> yes. Yes. It's huge. So huge. And it's huge. so, you know, this emotional regulation is, is so important and, how do you see that in the classroom setting fitting in, you know, and, and with the teachers that you work with, like what, what do you see working for them? And I know it's hard because teachers have so much on their plates already. Yes. Especially this year. (laughs) Yes. I mean, goodness. It's been such a tough year for everyone and teachers definitely are, are towards the top of that list. I think Um, emotional regulation is huge. And I think, as adults, we also forget that emotional regulation is hard for us too. Like you and I just talked about emotional regulation is hard for everybody. So we have to remember that sometimes just like us, like kids are going to wake up and be like, I'm not in a great mood today. Or like, I just don't have a lot of bandwidth because I feel like that some days I'm like, man, Mm. I've been irritable all day. Like, what is it? And it's like, you know what? Sometimes we're just like that. So we also have to be able to give kids some element of grace to say, sometimes we're just not in a great mood and kids are humans. You know, it, it does make sense that sometimes we're going to feel that way, but there are things that we really can help kids work through. And one of the biggest things I see is that frustration tolerance. And in school, kids are going to get frustrated. That's just part of life. And I do believe that it's an important lesson, just like how we, you know, have kind of learned, especially through this pandemic time, like kids need to be able to be bored right? Mm -hmm. Kids also need to be able to be frustrated. And some things are not going to come easy. And we need to, you know, foster that problem solving and all those pieces. For some students, they kind of love that challenge. They're like, Oh, I don't know how to do this. I'm going to go into my notes. I'm going to find this. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to figure this out. There are other kids at the moment that they don't really know what to do. In the moment that it gets tricky, they melt, right? Mm -hmm. They, it might turn into an externalizing behavior where, you know, we can really, really see it, or it might become internalizing, which can almost be more challenging as an adult to help with, because you might not know what's happening. It's sort of a silent struggle. And, you know, it really depends on on the child and how they respond to that. But working through that frustration tolerance and tolerating what it's like to be frustrated. And yes, it's an uncomfortable feeling, but we can grow from it. And it doesn't really, it's not really saying anything about us. It's just saying like, hey, I need to persevere and problem solve through this. But it is hard. And I think um, one of the biggest pieces is teaching those coping skills to kids. And um, something that research has told us for decades now, and that I think all of us, whether you're a parent or a teacher or a therapist or anyone in between, you know that when a child, or quite honestly, a human, is Mm -hmm. escalated in some way, 
teaching a coping skill right then, not going to work. If someone is super escalated and you say like, okay, we're going to take five deep breaths, you know, if they're Mm -hmm. not familiar with that strategy, they might escalate further. Right. Right. So I am of the camp that we just really need to focus on teaching coping skills all the time, practicing that in the morning, modeling it for kids. Like when you get frustrated, cause you're like, I can't find a parking spot. This is really frustrating. You know, you mm-hmm. can use a coping skill and kind of show them in real life. Plus it helps you. Yeah. And I'm thinking about, you know, the years that I was at teaching at this therapeutic school and we had a calm corner in the corner of our classroom and how, when things would kind of go sideways in the classroom, I would just walk over there and be like, wow, I need a minute in the calm corner. And I would sit down and I'd use the tools. And at first the kids would turn around, like, what is she doing? (laughs) You know, look at this grown woman sitting in this like kid's beanbag chair, you know, (laughs) (laughs) playing with, you know, sensory tools or whatever. But um, it was a great way to be able to show kids like, I'm, you know, I need a minute, you know, and this is, this is what's going to help me right now. Um, so I really feel like emotional regulation starts with giving kids the tools. And in order to do that, we have to teach them and, you know, teaching in, in the crisis moment or in that difficult moment doesn't always work. And it's, I think I would dare to say it's rare that it does. So I think that that is a big piece that, that any teacher, any parent, anyone can, can help kids with is just using that, um, using that piece and making sure that we're proactively teaching those skills, you know, before you would even need them. Absolutely. That is, that was sort of the core of what I wanted to, when I started this podcast, it was, you know, really about giving tips about using these tools, these mindfulness, um, and yoga and breathing tools, in your day, every day as part of your routine, little bits, you don't need to take an hour to practice, to do a yoga class, which is awesome if you can. Sure. You don't need to take even 15, 20 minutes aside to do a mindfulness activity. Again, awesome if you can, but it's those little practices, those one to two to three minute little times that you're squeezing it into your schedule and just making it part of your routine that make the biggest impact in my, in my opinion. I, I could not agree more. That's, that's yeah. where it really becomes like the secret sauce. Of how we yeah. make it all work. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's muscle memory, right? You know, yes. like you, you're, you do it so often, so much every day, taking those big deep breaths and, you know, using your whatever tools work best for you. And, and then in that moment, when you are escalated, your body remembers what exactly. to do. Exactly. And yeah. it takes time, but, but we can get there. Our Absolutely. brains can do it. <laughs> yes. It's, it, it's, it is amazing what, what you, you think like, oh, my, my child will never be able to, to do the, use these tools on their own. I'm going to always have to be, you know, sitting by them and, and sure, co-regulating. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing when, once you keep, you know, you be consistent with it, then all of a sudden you see, like they start pulling yeah, out those tools. There. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's wonderful. So we talked a little bit about this past year and how difficult it has been for teachers, parents, students, everybody all around. It's just been an incredible, incredible struggle this year. And so what are you, what are some of the effects that you're seeing from, from this pandemic that we've, you know, that are, are still, still coming out? Because in my opinion, I don't even think we've seen all of the effects yet. Oh, I can't imagine, right? There's going to be, there's so much that we just don't know yet, right? About how this, how this has affected us, right? In so many ways. There's, you know, of course, some positives. And I think um, it's important to see those too. Um, Mm -hmm. For me, I had a child at, you know, February 22nd. So um, right before everything sort of happened. And my husband, um, works in finance and does some traveling for work and you know he can be really busy and the pandemic allowed us and so many other families to just you know sink in and be together and he was there for every moment of her you know early um experiences you know from little things like oh she's holding her head up oh she rolled over like Mm. it wasn't just me there you know he was there too and i know that's true of so many families they just like got the gift of time you know that so many people you know, we, we wouldn't have had otherwise. So it did, I think, help a lot of us slow down and be present and be around one another. 
um, on the flip side, that can be really challenging for a lot of families who just, and, and anyone who just, you know, requires some space, <laughs> anyone who's an mm-hmm. introvert, it can be a blessing. Or if you're kind of um, in your house with a large family or <laughs> yeah. um, without a lot of space, you know, it can be hard because you don't really have that space to be able to be separate. And I know that that has taken a lot of um, energy away from some people. So that sort of is a twofold. Um, something I've seen in the school setting is how um, many school districts did sort of a hybrid approach where kids would come to school for, you know, half of their class for a certain amount of time and do the rest of it online. And so teachers were seeing smaller groups of students. And we know that class size has always been um, a factor in how some students can function well at school. But the teachers got you know, that gift of a small classroom that is mm-hmm. so hard to, you know, be able to foster at any point. So I feel like teachers know their students so well at this point, if they were able to be in person, I know that has really posed a challenge to people that are still um, doing the distance learning, which has been helpful, I think, for some students, but for many, it's been really, really difficult. And just such a new way of learning that they have to adjust to, which is hard. Um, and so now I feel like we can really take that knowledge of like, wow, we've really seen in practice how helpful it's been to have small groupings. How can we bring that back when we go back to having, you know, 25, 28 students in a class? What can we do to create those small groups and make sure that we're, we're adding that element in because it was really helpful. So, so many effects. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, you know, so far reaching the way that this has, you know, shown itself in, in every facet of, of our lives, you know? Yeah. Those are two really good points. I, I, I feel the same way about the, the time together. Um, you know, I have four kids and my husband's been, is still working from home. Yeah. Um, so is mine. You know, and yeah. And so, some days that's been a complete blessing and, um, you know, and it's, um, been helpful because we were on the hybrid situation and we have three different schools that our kids are in because of their ages. And so So picking up and dropping (laughs) off because yeah, no, we chose not to bus, um, as a safety precaution. So, yeah, so I couldn't have done it without him working from home really (laughs) on my own. And, um, so, so yeah, that we've seen those, those blessings, but then, yeah, like you said, the challenge, you know, having six of us in this house 90% of the time <laughs> and trying to find a quiet space to work and, you know, the kids just decompress, like, yeah. I just want to be alone for 10 minutes. Yes. <laughs> I haven't been I alone in a week. <laughs> it's hard. There's nowhere to hide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, especially through uh-huh. those winter months when you couldn't get yes. outside even and oh, go for a yes. walk. Yeah, it's been a challenge. And then the kids understanding, like, even though daddy's home, he's working, you know, like, right, <laughs> they right, want right. him to like, come out and play and, you know, yeah. yeah. So it, there's, there's been lots of different challenges with that. But Absolutely. I love the, the positive that you brought up about the small groups in school. Mm-hmm. I think that that was definitely an advantage um, that we didn't really think about when that whole sure. hybrid situation, you know, came up, but that was definitely a benefit. And I know a lot of schools now are starting to transition back to more in-person, you know, my, mm-hmm. my kids have just gone back. Now they're in five mornings and uh, I, you know, I think that's going to be there. There's a challenge there for students too to transition from virtual learning back into the school building. I think that that's going to, some anxieties are going to come up and of course. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's going to be another effect that we see sort of keep coming, you know, down the road. Yeah. It's like we get used to something and then it changes and there have been, you know, many students and teachers and families that have had to face that, like we're in, we're out, we're in, Mm -hmm. we're out, you know, that flip flop, which is so challenging because we know that just human nature says that we thrive in consistency. That's just the way that we are. Even right. if we're open to change, like having a schedule and consistency is just good for us. Yeah, and so know what to expect. Yes, it's just, I mean, in that, I, I believe that to be true across the board. It doesn't, you know, really matter who you are. There's some people that are obviously going to be able to say, okay, I'm just going to face it and do it, even though this is going to be hard. And there's going to be other, you know, personality types or needs within our schools that say like, wow, that 
you know, that is really hard, you know, and I know there's been some families that have had to say, you know, we're just going to say that we're remote right now because we can't do this in and out. It's causing too much stress. So, so many, you know, and so many important decisions that have to be made that no one really knows how to make, you know, it's really, really tough. Yeah, I know that that's something that's been overwhelming for for I know for myself and so many others that I've spoken to, that little decisions that never used to be (laughs) a really much of a thought have become giant decisions. And everything feels like a big deal. And, you know, you're making these choices. And you know, what what is going to be the consequence of attending this event or you yeah, know or not attending child, right or not attending right <laughs> yeah. allowing your child to do this or not do this and let them participate in sports or don't let them and right it's, it's really been so so many overwhelming decisions yes and I think too that we're gonna see a lot um, I, I think parents and teachers need to be on the lookout for behavior in their kids because I think there's going to be a lot of kids who maybe had a small tendency for some emotional struggles, whether that be anxiety or depression or 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 anything in that realm that is going to be escalated now because of the pandemic. I think that yeah. you know we have those kids that had a tendency, but that we're holding it together. But with all of this going on, I think a lot of them are starting to struggle now. Yes, I, I don't disagree. I think we just, we got to watch our kids and and be a consistent, you know, experience in their life and a consistent person in, our, in their lives that's, you know, a safe landing for all these things that are going to come up. Yeah, and check in, check in with your kids, check like, you know, check in like, you know, by talking to them, but even just check in just by, by being more aware and being mindful of watching them and and seeing how they're interacting with friends and, you know, how they're approaching situations, I think is, is going to be really um, important for us to be vigilant. moving forward. Yeah. So if parents start to notice that they think, you know, maybe they are seeing some things that, that are concerning as far as their child's emotional regulation, what are your top tips for parents and educators to, to help their children with regulate? Sure. I kind of touched on it before with just Mm -hmm. that concept of coping skills. And I do think there's also this, um, you know, sort of misconception that like, deep breaths are, are, is a, is the coping skill and it is a coping skill, but it's not the coping skill. And if we think about it as adults, like I have friends that, you know, when they're feeling stressed, they go run 10 miles, right? They're Mm -hmm. like, I got to clear my schedule. I need to go for a run. That is 2 million percent, not how I would handle stress. I agree. (laughs) Right. But for some people like that is absolutely their way. That's a coping skill for them. So we need to remember Mm -hmm. like, Some people also say like, I'm going to deep clean my house. You know, at the end of this, I'm going to deep clean my house. Also not a lot. We're we're on the same page a lot. Right. You know, (laughs) that's just not my personality. So we have to remember like coping skills are not one size fits all. And it's not to say that you should know this about your kid. You know, this is something that your kids probably don't even know about themselves unless they've been taught this. Right. So you kind of have to explore like, what coping skills might work for you in certain situations and one might work for you in others. So exposing them to tons of different options, mindful moments, yoga practices, exercise, deep breaths. There's so many distraction, you know, for some kids, Mm -hmm. it's like, Hey, I just need to do something else. I need to read a funny book or I need to listen to like a quick, you know, kids podcast about jokes, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it is something else to distract them can be helpful. Some kids it's like, Hey, toss them in the bath. That really helps, you know? Yes. Oh yes. And, or maybe it's like, Hey, we just need a little bit of a a blood sugar kick. Here's some goldfish crackers. Let's sit down and just have a snack for a minute. And then we can talk about it. There's so many things that we can expose our kids to knowing that we're not hundred percent sure what works for them and what works for one kid may not work for the other. It might, you never know, but we need to expose them to so many different things so that they can kind of choose and determine, hey, this is what works for me. I love that tip. That is like one of my favorite tips. And what I usually say is get curious and let your kid get curious. Like talk yeah. to them about it. Like let's love try that. this and see what it feels like for you. Like maybe mm-hmm. it feels good. Maybe it doesn't feel good. Like, you know, and even like 
you know, let them kind of keep like a, a running list and let them like check off like what, what was good and what wasn't, what, you know, what felt better. Um, and just be really curious and, and, and watch your kid when they're, when they're in their natural, like, you know, what they go to, are they the kid that moves a lot and needs that energy release from like physical exercise? Or are they the kid that wants to sit down and be creative and draw and what are their natural tendencies? Um, and then you can probably get a little, a few cues and, and ideas of what might work for your kid, but be curious. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So what are your favorite emotional regulation things that you do for yourself? Because I think it's really important as parents and teachers that we, we keep ourselves, you know, we're, we're paying attention to our own emotional regulation. Yeah. Practicing what we preach, quite honestly. Um, I am really a proactive kind of person. So I have to kind of front load myself. So I love to read and I like to spend time like winding down before bed. So I make sure that I, I try to do that. I also realize that when I let my house get too cluttered and dirty, I will just kind of like my, my head will kind of explode or that's what it'll feel like. So mm-hmm. keeping things in check, like I'm, I'm cleaning as I go. I spend, you know, five or 10 minutes making sure like, I don't like dishes out. So I need to put that kind of stuff away. Um, putting my phone away too is helpful because I will feel disconnected pretty quickly if I'm not fully present with my daughter, with my husband, Um, even if it's just like we're watching TV together, you know, I want to make sure like we're having that shared experience of watching, you know, TV together and we can talk about what's going on or, you know, that sort of a, a piece. And when I don't spend time reading, when I don't spend time tidying my space and, you know, attending to those things that are helpful for me. I feel really dysregulated and I'll get, you know, that's when I'm super, you know, feisty or irritable, those kinds of things. Like I need that in my life. So when I do get to that space, then that's kind of when I really need to take self-care into like an additional overdrive. And that's Mm -hmm. when I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a bath. I'm going to give myself a lot of time for myself. And to me, that can be really helpful. Um, I've also found that when I'm dehydrated, I am not a great person to be around. So I also make sure that I'm drinking a lot of water because that is really important for my mental health, my emotional health. Like I just, I need to be hydrated. It's part of what makes me tick. I think a lot of us, but I have definitely noticed in myself when I'm not at my best, I physically don't feel great. And a lot of it is because I'm like, wow, I just haven't really drank much water today. You know, Mm -hmm. I notice that I feel it. Yeah. I, I like that the tips that you gave, like you, you called it front loading. I I feel like we have to look at self-care differently. Our self-care needs to be throughout our day. Like you said, staying on top of the things that you know will bother you drinking your water, like paying attention to those things. That to me is more important self-care than the going to, you know, get a massage or doing all those other what we and I love that stuff too like yeah yeah, like going to get a pedicure (laughs) like hey I'm all about the pedicure you know and I I do do that for myself but and I do like it and I think about those things like scheduling it out is helpful to be able to say like oh tomorrow I don't really have to think about anything I can read or scroll my phone while I'm getting a pedicure great because I scheduled that in um I think we can fall into a trap kind of like what you're saying where it's like, oh, I'm really overwhelmed. Like, looks like I should go get a manicure or it looks right. like I should go get a massage. Like, that's probably not going to help you. No, really. right. I, I think we, we, we kind of lose sight of the day to day and think that, okay, well, I'll get to myself on Saturday morning when I can yeah. go for my pedicure. But, but by then it's built up so much that even that pedicure is not going to get you yes. where you need to be. Absolutely. Yeah. It's sort of, it needs to be built into your day. Yes. And I want to talk about that same concept for our teachers because yes, I think huge. that yeah, they need that too. And so do you work in your school with the staff as far as their own, their self-care and supporting them? Yeah, I will say this year has been really tough because we're trying to do things like not really having meetings mm. and, you know, like really keeping things like at like as streamlined as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. So um, this year, unfortunately, we haven't been able to prioritize it as much as it's needed to be. 
But it is something like taking care of teachers is essential because an unhappy teacher, and the same goes for parents, an unhappy or an unhealthy parent or teacher is not going to necessarily be able to foster, you know, healthy and and happy kids, right? It's just Mm -hmm. not possible. It starts, you know, from the ground up, like who's the leader here? You know, we need to sort of make sure that that person is is going like a well-oiled machine. So I will say that sadly enough, teacher bandwidth has just not really been where, you know, it typically is where we can, you know, offer that kind of um, additional piece, like a a lunch and learn where we're kind of learning about self-care things. Like, yeah, teachers Mm -hmm. right now are like, I need to get, you know, I need to go sit in my car and (laughs) just listen to music and be alone for lunch, you know, and I, we also need to respect that. And, um, I, you know, I wish I could think of who said this, but I, heard this, I want to say it was someone as I'm, you know, scrolling through Instagram, maybe like a week ago, that shared sometimes the best self care you can give is just to leave somebody alone. Yes. <laughs> and it, it really resounded with me. And it made me think about this year, like, I don't know, sometimes it's like, yes, we could get offer people so much to be able to say, like, this is one way you can do this. And this is how you can add this in. And this is how you can do a mindful moment. But when you're really taxed out and overwhelmed, like, Sometimes it's just like, I'm going to leave you alone. And I think that right. might be, you know, kind of what we need. <laughs> yeah. And, totally. and be able to acknowledge that. And that's also not going to be true for everyone. There's going to be some people who say, I'm super stressed. Give me all the tips. So just kind yeah. of knowing too, that like, just like how coping skills aren't one size fits all, neither is, you know, that element of self-care. Some people might be really craving like that knowledge of learning how to take care of themselves. And some people might say like, listen, I'm, I'm out of, of juice and I just need to make it through today and tomorrow. So, yeah, I think, um, that is so true. And, um, the overwhelm is just, is just huge right now for for teachers. Um, and, um, great that, you know, that you can have that perspective, like, I'm not going to pile another thing (laughs) on top of right, you right, right. Now. it's a and lot right it's a lot yeah and a you lot know, of it's the, just like reading the room you know like yeah I'm not sure that this is gonna go right I'm not sure people are open for this right yeah now. which is fine you know we don't that makes perfect sense you know there's yeah. there's nothing wrong with saying like I just don't have the brain space for this you know right the the great thing about using um social emotional learning tools with your students um, when I do workshop for t- workshops for teachers, I always say to them, like, you know, use this for yourself as you're using it with your students, too, yes. because, you know, as you're helping your students to meditate or take a deep, you know, few rounds of deep breaths, whatever you do it, too. And you're getting a two for one deal because you're helping yourself regularly and you're helping your students regulate, too. So it's kind totally. of like. You know, like that's like a, a tip that I've been giving recently now. Like, uh, I know you're overwhelmed. So just tune in when you're using it with your students because these teachers are so amazing and they are. They're they're trying to use these tools and, and be there for their students. So I'm like, in the meantime, like tune in yourself too and 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 utilize it as you're yes. as you're doing it with your students. Definitely. I love yeah. that. It's yeah. So, so. True. Yeah, because sometimes we're just, we're out of gas by the end of the day. (laughs) Yeah, we are. We are. Yeah, totally. Well, congratulations on becoming a new mom this past year. Your daughter's, she's, she's about a year, right? Yeah, she's 14 months. So amazing. Still a baby, not yet a toddler, maybe a toddler. (laughs) Getting there, right? Yeah. (laughs) Is she walking around yet? She's not walking, but she is moving. She is a very, she crawled very early and I feel like she's so efficient at crawling that walking isn't really on her radar. Right. This (laughs) is working well soon enough. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She gets around. Pace. That's awesome. Well, what a time to become a new mom. I know. <laughs> First of all, I, we had no idea either. I was just like, oh, looks like this is, you know, her entrance to the world. So yeah, yeah. Like, like you said, I, I mean, I can't imagine because usually and that, you know, that that new baby phase and you're having people wanting to come and support you and help you and you know and yeah there was none of that this year none for, of that. for anybody who became a new mom for the first time right right during this time um, yeah it was very was a, unique. like an added cha- <laughs> challenge yeah, yeah definitely you know, 
Yeah. So, um, you know, props to you for, for making it through that. You just do, do you, it, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. As a mom, that's what, what we do. We just one foot in front of the other, you figure exactly. it out as you go. You just do it. Do you practice any of these mindfulness or any strategies with your daughter yet? I do all the time. And I feel like it's more of how I talk to her. And I um, am very intentional about when she's upset, crying, really tired, um, ensuring that I'm saying things like this is normal, like I get tired, sometimes you get tired, Mm. daddy gets tired, you know, we talk about how normal it is to be mad or frustrated or like, oh, sometimes when you're tired, it can be really hard. You know, I just have this desire to have her never have a time that she she's not gonna be able to think about a time when that type of thing wasn't talked about. So it's my goal to have it be like, this has always been a part of my life, you know, talking about emotions and, you know, employing those coping skills, like, oh, mommy's gonna take a deep breath. Like I am always doing that, which makes my husband laugh so much. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, hey, it starts young. Yes, it does. <laughs> you know, like we have to do this now. So she's, this is just, this is all she knows, you know? So that, that's the goal is I would love for that to be like, this is all she knows. You know, this is her reality since day one. So, well, she is a lucky little girl because I hope that so. Is, <laughs> I mean, that is it. Like if, if she just knows that, you know, every emotion is normal and yeah. you know, that's, that's like, right there. That's gold, right? I know it is, you know, I, she doesn't have to feel bad about it. Yeah. I was a very emotional child, very emotional. And my parents are wonderful and they did everything in their power. They just quite honestly did not have the skill set to know what to do with me many times. (laughs) And And I know that as an adult, but I have memories as a kid being like, they have no idea how I feel they don't know why I'm so mad about this because I just had big feelings all the time. And I know that it would have been really helpful if they had done that. And, you know, it makes sense. This kind of stuff just wasn't really prioritized. And so it's my goal. And, you know, my, my parents watch our daughter on Mondays. And so they'll, and I tell them all the time, I'm like, we're not doing Allie 2.0. I am, (laughs) she is not going to be, you know, the one stomping upstairs and slamming her door constantly, right? Like once or twice, of course that's going to happen, but (laughs) I want her to have other tools that she can reach to and rely on rather than just, you know, kind of letting, um, those big emotions just take over. Cause you know, if she's anything like me, she's going to have a lot of, us, which is okay, but I want her to know it's okay. Instead of just like, why are you mad? This isn't a big deal. You know, right. those kinds of conversations yeah. I don't want us having. So Absolutely. we know, I, you know, when you know better, you do better. So that's, that's it. And I have a yeah. similar, similar situation. I, I wasn't, um, I, I was very, uh, I had social anxiety as a child. Sure. I'm sure ever, I did too. I'm sure nobody I told me that. I know. <laughs> they just I'm told sure me I, I was shy did. and I was shy and that's just who I thought I was. And, sure. you know, for many, many, many years, I just thought, okay, well I'm shy and I can't speak up and you know, this sure. is who I am. And I, you know, and I had, I bottled up my emotions cause I, mm. I was so scared to say what I was feeling or, or anything. And, you know, and, and as I said before, you know, I have four kids and they all have a little bit of something, but my youngest who is, is going to be seven this summer is, is starting to exhibit social anxiety. And sure. I said the same thing to my husband, like, okay, we're, we're doing this different. Like, you know, yeah. like she's going to know that, that she's not shy. This is, you know, this is anxiety and this is what she can do. These are her tools that she can use. And, and so, to name it, you know, just name, just it. name it. If somebody it's had fine. named it for me, I mean, lots of struggles would have, you know, would have, you know, sure. lots of negative self-talk would have gone away of if course, I just knew right. that, you know, it was anxiety and there was nothing wrong with me. Of course, right. So, yeah. So that's, that's amazing that you're already doing that for your daughter and, and she's only 14 months. So like I said, lucky, <laughs> lucky the goal, little girl. Right. It's the goal. <laughs> well, before we finish up, I want to have time to talk about your awesome children's book. Tell us about oh, your inspiration you. for that and where it came from and all the yes. things. Well, you know, if you've been listening thus far, you know that 
coping skills, emotional regulation, all of that is so important to me. Um, the goal was to create a book that would be really helpful for caregivers, but knowing that there's teachers too that could really benefit from this. So in creating my book, which is called Roaring Mad Riley, um, it's definitely geared towards caregivers with also the setting being in a school. So it sort of is able to work in both um, aspects because of that, um, which was very intentional. So Riley is a dinosaur who is at school and she's building this awesome block tower and one of her friends walks over and accidentally bumps it and the tower falls down. So naturally, Riley gets roaring mad. And so her teacher, Mr. Rex, walks her through a variety of coping skills and assures her like, hey, you know, we all get mad sometimes. And when I feel that way, this is what I do. And she tries it and you could try this too. And she tries it, you know, and she tries all these different things and he checks in with her like, how are you starting to feel? And at the end, she's like, you know, I'm just a little sad. Like I really wanted, you know, my tower to be, I, I, I didn't want it to be knocked over, you know, I was still building it. And so her and her friend at school sort of repair their relationship and move forward and she builds a taller tower and kind of moves on. So it's super relatable for for our kids. And then in the back, there's a ton of resources for parents. So, or caregivers. So lots of extension questions, ways that you can, you know, questions to ask kids, like, you know, have you ever felt this way? What do you do? What, you know, here, you know, can you relate to? Um, also give some extension activities, some things that parents or caregivers or teachers could do as activities in their classroom or at home. Um, it would also be great if you have like a babysitter or a nanny at home, you know, these would be some fun activities to be able to have them kind of work on with kids too. Um, if you as a parent are like, oh, when I get home, I just like don't have the time. Well, you know, maybe if there's someone else there, they could be working on this stuff too, you know, mm -hmm. it takes a village as we know. And um, there's also some books that I recommend that are back there at the end of the book and um, yeah, so there's a lot in it. And so I'm just driven by the concept of, you know, we need to equip everybody to be able to help our kids be able to understand this. And I think about people like my dad, who worked for the gas company for 30 years and was a great dad. But like, when he was in college, nobody was teaching him about emotional regulation. Why would he know what to do with me? You know, like, <laughs> at work, he wasn't doing that. He was working on blueprints and, you know, going out to gas mains, you know, he had no, there was, you know, he just had no um, skill set behind that. So we need to be able to equip people who there's no reason why they would know how to do that. I wouldn't know how to go out and work on gas mains. So why would he know how to do this? You know, we need right. to be able to give everybody the tools, you know, some tools they need to be able to help our kids, you know, and, and I would venture to say that most parents and caregivers, I would say 99% want to be able to do that. And they just maybe don't have the tools. So this book was sort of designed to sort of bridge and fill that gap. I love that. I love children's book books in general. I'm, I'm, Me I mean, too. I'm, I'm an avid reader. <laughs> and I, I say all the time, my kids, my kids always knew they were going to get something if we went to the bookstore. <laughs> like, right, right, right. They didn't always get something at any, any other store. But if they, if we went into the bookstore, they were pretty sure they were going to go home with something <laughs> because I just love books. And, yeah. It's hard um, to say no. Yeah. And I love the the concept of adding the resources in the back more and more you're seeing seeing that now and that's so fabulous because teachers as teachers we we know how to extend a book and add activities that to go along with it but but you're right the parents and the caregivers don't have that skill set and right. uh, the impact of the book in itself can be great but it can go so much further if we can we can add add those extra conversations and activities to to extend it of course. Right. So and it can great. unlock so many things as a parent that you're like, huh, I never knew you thought that. Or like, yeah. maybe uncover a misconception that you're like, oh, no, that's actually not what that means. But why would you know that your child was confused unless you had asked them? Yeah. Right. Starts the conversation for sure. Absolutely. Love it. Well, tell us, where can we find you, your resources, your book? Where can we connect with sure. you? Sure. So you can buy my book on Amazon or anywhere online that books are sold. And you can find me 
at my website where I have a blog that I blog every week. I've got tons of resources at www.misbehaviorblog.com. And you can find me on Instagram at underscore misbehavior. Awesome. Well, I will link all those places in the show notes. So it's easy for people to connect with you. And I just want to thank you again for taking the time out of your day to join us um, and give us all these wonderful insights and, and tips. It was really great talking with you. I loved it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Have, have a great day and let's stay yeah. in touch. Until next time. Yes. That was such a great conversation with Allie. I could have talked to her for hours more, but here are some takeaways. One, social emotional learning is for all kids. Two, executive function skills is the foundation of learning. Three, those life skills can help eliminate other challenging behaviors. Four, We need to find the root of behaviors and peel back those layers. Five, emotional regulation is hard. Six, kids are human and sometimes they just need to be allowed to have a bad day. Seven, kids need to be able to feel frustrated so they can learn how to deal with challenges. Eight, we should be practicing coping skills all day long. Nine, always be a safe landing place for your kids. And 10, coping skills are not one size fits all. I hope that you all enjoyed this conversation with Allie. There were so many great tips in there. I will link places that you can connect with her to see all her wonderful resources and her book in the show notes. And in the meantime, remember, take a deep breath. Thank you for joining me on my mission to spread peace and joy by introducing children and families to the power of yoga and mindfulness. I could not achieve this goal without all of you listening and trying these tips with the kids in your life. If you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, please subscribe and leave me a review. If you would also suggest this podcast to parents and teachers, I would be so grateful. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at Mindful Moments for Families and on Facebook at Kidding Around Yoga with Kelly. For more information on my offered programs, such as yoga classes for children and adults, workshops and professional development, and corporate chair yoga, visit my website at kiddingaroundyoga.com backslash Kelly. I'll see you all here on our next episode, but in the meantime, remember, take a deep breath.